So hi everyone, this is Paul Friedman. I founded the Marriage Foundation and this is the Marriage Show. And today's topic is funny. It is, I'm not your normal marriage therapist. And my co-host, David Cruz, also my best friend, got an article that is all about marriage. I'm going to let him talk about it. And we're going to do a point counterpoint and you'll see how different our everything is from western psychology so you so you could see that with the marriage foundation you can actually get a lot of marriage help so if you want to write in to us go to the marriagefoundation.org and there's a uh, tab there for ask a counselor you click on that or you could call us 1-855-527-5863 1-855-527-5863 and david how are you buddy good paul how are you perfect so this should be this should be an interesting uh, 40 45 minutes if we can go that long on this. I, I just want I want to set this up a little bit before I get into it. Literally f- 4 or 5 minutes before we got on the air here, I said to you, I have this article that I printed out that I found online from Cosmopolitan magazine and I thought and I I said Paul, I think it'd be interesting to get your opinion on what this person put out. And then you started the podcast saying, let's do this. But I just want anybody listening to this to know, this is not something we've rehearsed or practiced or that you've done. I may struggle with reading part of it to make this smooth, but I just think it's an interesting, I think it'd be interesting for people to hear where your program and where you think people should go to get help with their marriage should go as opposed to what someone in Western psychology would. So I've, I've experienced both sides of it. I've experienced what it's like to go talk to someone who is uh, where you're in a bad marriage. I'm not in one now, but I was previously, and I, and I did see um, Western psychologists to help with that, the marriage, and it did not go well um, with them. And, and I've also seen what you've done, you can do for people since you started the Marriage Foundation with your program. So I think this would be, uh, I think this is an interesting topic for people to hear. Well, let's go for it, David. I uh, I love the challenges. You know, I've trained a lot of Western psychologists, and it, it's interesting. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've actually had couples refer to me back when I was doing live sessions with people from ethical marriage counselors who just realized that they couldn't help people. Their training just doesn't do that. And and our our system is so goal-oriented. At the Marriage Foundation, you know, we've got books, articles, we've got YouTube videos, uh, but our our pride and joy are the uh, systems that we have, the courses, one for men and one for women. And they just step by step, step by step, take the individual, because we don't have a course for both, but it takes the individual step by step through the process that makes them really happy, makes them happy, gives them the ability to get all the love that they want from their marriage, 
And it's a guaranteed course because why fool around? And people write into us, uh, you know, there's a little survey after they sign up for the course and they say, you know, I just want to get rid of the fighting. I just want to have this. I want to, and our counselors write back and they say, set your bar higher. You should want, work for, and you will have a super happy marriage and you will have love that will just blow your mind, ever expanding love. So let's see what it looks like when the psychologists get a question and then we'll give you the answer from them and from me. Let's see what it looks like. This is, well, great. This is just a, I, I just happened to see this last month and I printed it out and then I, I, put it aside. And now I, I found it again in this article and um, I'll do the best to have that I can to go through it. But it's from uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine. It was written by um, Taylor Andrews, uh, March 9th, 2021. Okay. And the, uh, the title of it is, Sorry, but you're definitely in a toxic relationship if this lists, list speaks to you. Oh my God. And okay. Let, Let's get the so, toxins out there. And let's see if we can so says, neutralize you know, them. So, so Taylor starts by saying, at, at their core, toxic relationships typically manifest as someone asserting their power over another and with someone questioning their self-worth or value. Oh, okay. You know, I okay. actually saw this on someone else's YouTube video and I thought, what, what is this about? So basically, they're talking about um, a dominant individual in the relationship. And of course, there should not be a dominant individual in relationship. But to write it off because one happens to be dominant seems pretty crazy. It's It's like people have the ability to change. You certainly can change your marriage. And to just write off your marriage, which is a huge investment, and I'm not talking about a financial investment. When you ask someone to marry you, or when you respond, yes, I'd like to marry you, what you're doing is you're telling that person my entire life from now on is going to change tracks and be dedicated to having happiness and love with you. And then you discover, well, wait a minute, we have differences of opinion. And why are you dominant? And why am I submissive? And these are just kind of random character traits anyway. Some people are more dominant than others and some people more submissive. What's the big deal? To claim that that is a deal killer in a marriage is insane. It's insane. Well, they're, they're starting here saying, um, in the article it says, it gets tricky because, quote, toxic, toxic relationships can be extremely hard to navigate because oftentimes you don't even know you're in one in the first place. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, this, I just this, had... This, this, my friends, is what, is, is what I like to call having relationship blinders on. Oh, my God. And, and then goes one step further, says, 
once feelings and emotions are involved, it can get to the point where you're oblivious to the toxic toxicity. Oh my God. Oh my God. That you know, that's like claiming I, I it's hard to actually find words for this, isn't it? Basically what they're saying is you have no idea how bad your marriage is, but let me tell you it's terrible. So it Yeah, it, in fact and in fact they even I think they're making the point that that try to find the toxic part of your relationship because it's it's so hard to even find it in the first place. <laughs> right. So start looking for this because it's there. Right. You you have relationship blinders on. There's got to be something toxic going on in your relationship. They don't even start. It's such a negative place to start from. Yep. But I feel yeah. sorry. I immediately feel sorry for Taylor because obviously Taylor is not happy and projecting now onto others what Taylor's experiencing. Is it a he or a she? I don't know. Okay, let's sit. I don't know. Taylor's probably a she. T-A-Y-L-O-R. Okay, probably a she. I'm going to, let's guess it's a she. So she is projecting her discomfort. And right then and there, one of our principal premises is forget the past. Let us start rebuilding our marriage from now. We're going to have a learning curve. It's not going to be perfect. If it's Monday, it's not going to be perfect on Wednesday. But let's start processing a new marriage that is based on love, mutual respect. Let's it, let's base it on a choice to be happy rather than sad, to look for the good instead of the bad, to focus on those things that bring us joy. And the well, I think you're going. I, I think go ahead, Paul. And the past is the past. Time. There's nothing you could do about the past, but you can do everything about the future. You have free will, you have volition, you have every opportunity, every second of the day, to be happy. Every second of the day. I think you're, I think you're going to use that message all the way through this. List, <laughs> okay. But they. They went, Taylor decided to go put a list of 10 things that tells you you're in a toxic relationship. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start going through them and then you can just give me your opinion on what you think. Sounds good. Um, So signs you're in a toxic relationship. Number one, your partner gaslights you by either telling you how you feel or disvalues your feelings when you share them. AKA, if someone ever said the, has ever said the words, quote, you're being so sensitive right now after you expressed an issue with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's one of the biggest problems that we have is that growing up, we don't learn basic how to live principles. They're just not taught to us. We're not, forget about how to live principles. We don't even learn how to balance a checkbook. But one of the key principles to life is this amazing gift called free will. We don't just have free will to to choose the kind of car we want to drive. We have free will to think about what we want to think about, 
we have free will to see things through eyes that we can filter according to how we choose. And so it is just plain wrong for many reasons to impose ourselves on someone else's free will. So that side of what Taylor is talking about is not cool. Well, how do you feel about when somebody tells their partner how they really feel? Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry that I laughed right there. But the reason I laughed is because we say that most people these days, because of Western psychology misleading everybody, makes way too much about feelings. It's just how you feel. There's different kinds of... Okay, I'm going to get a little technical here. Yeah, because, I mean, number one on this list is tell the person... You should be able to tell the person exactly how you feel, no matter what. Okay. And, And they're saying your partner gaslights you when you try to do that. So the number one point about a toxic relationship, what you're doing, and they're... Taylor's point here is you should be able to express your feelings freely and openly, no matter what you feel, no matter how bad you feel about your partner, no matter what's going through your head, say it, get it out, and make sure that your partner doesn't gaslight you when you're expressing those feelings. That is disgusting advice. You know, how you feel is based on things that your partner has no control over. You're feeling things based on your emotional software trying to protect you and move things along in a way that most people don't understand in their minds anyway. And I know the big thing these days is honor your emotions. Nothing could be more stupid than to honor your emotions. That's like getting a bruise and honoring your bruise. It's it's an irrelevant thing to do. Now, the biggest problem is that true feeling, real feeling, not emotional feeling, because there is a difference, is the feeling of your heart. Uh, In India, they call this chit, C-H-I-T. This is the heart's feeling. It's the only feeling that we should honor because it's love, real love. And it is innate to each one of us. It's innate to the soul. It is where we should be dwelling in our lives, is in our heart. The emotions are mechanisms in the mind that prevent our circuits from blowing. So what happens? Where do emotions come from? So it's a mechanism that exists because the mind is a tool that the body's drive to survive utilizes. So let's give an extreme example. Well, I can give you an example here. 
they, I'm, I'm going I'm to skip to number four okay. on the list. And they're, they're pers- they say you're in a toxic relationship because they or the other person is notorious for playing the victim card. And she says, quote, if every time you tell your significant other how to feel about something, they find a way to make it about them or somehow become the victim, mm-hmm. despite your bringing awareness to your feelings. Okay, so what she's describing is a defensive mechanism on the part of the partner. And what they're doing is they're twisting the scenario so that they don't have to be held accountable. Did I basically say it in another way? Okay, good. So first of all, who are you to point out your partner's flaws? It's none of your business. If your partner has a flaw, whether it's a character flaw, a flaw in their behavior, a flaw in their reactions, it's their problem, not yours. So what Taylor really should be talking about, what all therapists should be talking about, is not to condemn your partner because of their flaws or how they protect themselves and their flaws, but how you as an individual cannot become a victim of their victimhood. Because what she's talking about is she's saying, don't be a victim to their being a victim. Well, Well, then who's the victim? I mean, you could go back and forth here. What you really should be doing is you should be listening to your partner respectfully, understanding that they're grappling with whatever situation is at hand, and not judge it. Who are you? To, who are we to judge our partner? It's not our right to do so. They have their free will. They're on their path of life, wherever they happen to be on their path of life. You don't love them because. They're geniuses in math. You don't love them because they have all of their stuff together. You love them because you have chosen to love them at a very high level of consciousness. And you don't have expectations of them living up to your standards. If you do, then you're imposing your will on them and your judgments on them. And that isn't cool. Well, Taylor goes, um, for, in the article, um, actually quotes a licensed therapist named Odesty K. Langham. That's a cool name. O-D-D-E-S-T-Y-K Langham, okay. L-A-N-G-H-A-M. And Langham says, you know, when again, about telling your significant how you feel about something, they make you make it about them or make it about them or somehow become the victim. Mm-hmm. But then Lingham goes further to say, it is impossible to create balance in a relationship with a person who is only concerned with their own feelings. Right. So I don't know so, what balance means in the context of love. Well, I think there. I, I think Lingham's talking about because I've heard it a number of times. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you have to. It, it has to be balanced. You have to have balance in your life. You have to have balance in your relationships. You know, that you should be able to express your feelings. They should be able to express their feelings to you. And you can actually go 
back and forth with telling the person equally how much you don't like things about them and what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> all right. I I shouldn't tell this story, but I will. You know, I wasn't always a marriage expert. I had a first marriage. It was almost 20 years. It ended in 1994. And at the time, I had plenty of money. I was very successful in my businesses. And my wife at the time and I were able to go to the quote-unquote best therapist. And we went to, I'm going to say, at least a dozen of them. And the one that finally helped us end our marriage <laughs> had us communicate exactly what Taylor's talking about using proper I statements. And so my wife at the time and I said, okay, who goes first? And she said, you go first. I said, well, ladies first. She said, no, you go first. I said, okay. And so using I statements, I basically gave her a list of what I thought were her uh, failings as a wife. And, you know, that they were quote-unquote legitimate. It was how I felt. It was basically I was doing what Taylor said. She got up after about four or five points and walked out of the room. And I was totally offended because we were doing what we were told to do. But it was basically the final nail in the coffin of our marriage. And at the Marriage Foundation, when I started helping people with their marriages, that was always in the forefront of my mind. And when you look at that with objective eyes, it's easy to see that it isn't our business to tell our spouses, our partners, what's wrong with them. It's our business to be respectful of them, to never communicate, I'll use her word, toxic information. We, we should be controlling our tongues. And, you know, there's the old adage, if, you, if you're pointing one finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at you. Well, Paul, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm not in my 30s anymore. And, and you know, I was married in my 30s. And at that point, the, I, I knew we needed marriage help significantly. So I went to see a, a what I considered a, a top marriage therapist for the two of us. And after, after a session or two of describing all the uh, problems that each of us may have had in our childhood, it came down to the nuts and bolts of what they were going to do to help us. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I remember the marriage therapist doing was, okay, why don't you, why don't you start and tell, talking to my ex-wife, why don't you start and tell the things that are really bothering you about dating? Oh, my God. No, I, I, and I, I remember I'm thinking... Uh, this is this is this is the way it's supposed to be because I didn't know I didn't know better. No, wait, I don't. thought I thought that's how you, this is marriage. Again, I had never been through therapy and you know for marriage and and I thought well that's what you're supposed to probably supposed to do. So she went out and and it was just you know okay I think our time's up for the session. 
David will try to get to you on the next session <laughs> if there's time available. Right. Because it, th that list was going to go on and on and on and That's on. That's right. And, there, and, and if I tried to respond, it would, no, David, let her get it out of her system. And and I said, but you know, it's not. That's not. That's not true. This is not true. And you know, you just. And and I I absolutely remember what it was like to come home from that session, going, oh my God, this is so much worse than I ever thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't imagine how this is going to get any better. And and certainly, you know, you come to the next session, and it was more of the same bitch session, and then it was my turn, which I, you know, it's just, it did not get us any closer to getting back together again, to making that work. It simply made it much worse. It makes it worse. You know, it's funny because, you know, we have thousands and thousands of people who are taking our courses, both for men and women. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll take a look at the surveys that come in. And a survey came in the other day, it might have been last week, I don't recall remember exactly, but it surprised me because we asked, why are you using our program? And this person said, well, it's it's the last thing we're going to try before marriage counseling. And usually, almost all of our clients say, well, we tried marriage counseling and it didn't work. So rather than giving up, uh, a friend of Ours told us about you, or we read about this, and we're going to try you now. So it's just marriage counseling simply doesn't work because their ideas are so backwards. They're always talking about what's wrong. Let's dwell on the past. Let's look at your childhood. Let's come up with excuses galore for acting inappropriately with one another. But they don't tell you Okay, from now on, here's how to behave with each other. So one of the first things we talk about in the courses and in my books is stop arguing. I, I can't believe how many letters we get, emails we get to our counselors, which is a free service at the Marriage Foundation. And it almost starts out with, we don't know how to argue properly. I don't think you're going to like number five on the list here. <laughs> okay, what's number five? It says, it says uh, toxic relationships tend to make us go into fight, into a fight response. It actually says fight or flight. That's what Langham says again. Oh, God. So, it's, again, it just, it just reinforces that if you're in a bad relationship, fighting. That's where you go. Yeah, that's what that's where you're going to head to. Well, you should you should s draw a line and go from now on. I'm going to behave in a way in this marriage that's just going to blow my husband away or blow my wife away with love, kindness. I'm never going to be critical anymore. I'm not going to condemn them for anything. I'm going to be patient, understanding supportive, all the positive things. We all know what those are. We all know how we're so supposed to behave. So you're not trying to train people how to fight better. On the contrary. One of the first things we talk about, like if a man takes the course, 
he does not like us in the very beginning because we describe to him how he has probably been using the power of a man against his own wife and he needs to stop right now. It, it, I, it, but I think, but I think somewhat it's built into men more, Paul. Because I remember when I, again, sitting in that, that room hearing my, at that point, wife, but now ex-wife, describe all the things that she didn't like about me. Mm-hmm. It just starts to get you and go, I just, I want to fight back against this. That's right. Well, Isn't that right? And so you have, I think, I can't speak for a woman, but I could definitely speak for a man and that I, I felt, you know what, I'm not going to take this. I am going to fight back against this. Yeah. I'm not going to take this. So, I'm not going to take this line down. I'm going to fight back. So this is... And, this. and, that's, and, we're, and we're actually, it's reinforced in the session mm-hmm. to fight. Yeah. To fight back and to maybe fight better or fight differently, but you're definitely taught to fight. No question. Well, we don't have to be taught to fight. Because we have this little thing, this, it's, this is psychophysiological. So the biology of the gender determines so much about the psychology of the gender. And a man's body is designed to be a warrior. He is intended to defend the woman with whom he ends up with to his dying breath, to his last drop of blood. He is designed to make sure that she is protected and her children are protected. That's what he's designed for. That is in our sub-subconscious mind because of how our bodies are designed. And a woman a woman's body is not as powerful as a man's body. So that is just another reflection of that right way to behave. This has been misinterpreted. And men and well, many what, ministers what? think that this makes man the ruler of the family. But that's not true. He is the defender of the family. And with the almost... Every man thinks until they reach us that if they want to impress their wife, they expose her to their strength. So here's a good metaphor for that. Expose her to her strength? To his strength, his power. His strength. So here's a great metaphor for that. Show his strength. Show his strength to her, not to her. Not as a demonstration where he's showing it to her by using it on someone else, but he uses it on her. And he'll use it uh-huh. in the form of maybe he'll give her a stern look. Maybe he'll raise his voice towards her. Maybe right. he will knit his eyebrows at her. Maybe he'll yell at her. In other words, I'm the man. I can kick your butt. I can knock you out. Be, I can... I could be stronger than you. I, I could. Um, I can control you. Yes, I can. I can uh, dominate you. So here's uh, the metaphor for this, David. You've hired a bodyguard, and you're walking down the street with him. Big burly guy. He carries a gun. 
and he pulls out his gun and he points it at you and goes, you know, I could, I could plug you full of holes right now. Wow. Are you going to keep that guy around? You hired him as a bodyguard to defend you. Your wife, we tell men, your wife hired you as a bodyguard to defend her and her children. And now you've showed her your gun that you could use it on her. It just undermines all kinds of happiness, all kinds of love. It undermines everything. So arguing is a terrible thing to do. What is a woman going to do if a man raises his voice towards her? She is going to resort to whatever tactic she can to defend herself. Now the whole premise of being married, which is love and happiness, is out the window. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Who's wrong? Because one, one, one person's trying to exert their power somewhat, and the other person is trying to defend themselves from it. And that and that does not create a loving relationship in any way, shape, or form. Right. And in defending, they're using tactics that are overkill. So this cycle of harming one another comes into play. And yes, right. the relationship is toxic. But the answer isn't to get out. The answer is to get educated to learn what's going on and then change your behavior, change your thinking, change your whole approach to marriage. People don't even remember why they get married. People get married without thinking about what are we going to do in our marriage to achieve what we got married for. So you ask people, why did you get married? And you know what they tell you? They tell you, well, I fell in love. This is my, no, no, no. no. Why get married at all? Oh, uh, have children? They start asking you. They're asking you, why did I get married? Well, I tell them why they get married. You get married in order to be happy. You get married in order to experience unconditional love. Okay, good. Everyone buys into that because it's so logical. It's so intuitive. Mm -hmm. Next question, what are you doing in order to experience that love? What are you doing in order to be happier? And that's where it all falls apart. All of this intellectuality around toxic marriages and gaslighting and all these fancy current terms and venting. I mean, Taylor, what you said before, I didn't, I didn't stop you when you were going. She was talking about venting, that your spouse should be able to vent at you and let you know how miserable her life or his life is. That's nonsense. Well, well both of you need to vent equally at each other. Yeah, neither so of you, you should ba- vent at all. Balance. I have one last, uh, one last thing here that I want to get your comment on, Paul. Okay. So, it, number seven on the list is you hide you hide things that have happened from your friends or family. And and it said, if you've ever told a story about your significant other to someone else and and again how your those people respond how your spouse responds to that. I, I want to get your opinion on 
how you feel about even talking about the problems that are in your marriage to somebody else. Okay. That's a really good question, David. I love you for asking that question. So I coined the phrase, the sacred space of marriage, not in recognition of how people live in their marriage, but how they should. So there's just two of you. Visualize there's two of you in a room till the end of your life. So there's only two of you. That means that you're micro-society determines how much sweetness or how much poison is in this room. There's just two of you. You can work through problems that you have to face outside of your marriage together. It's literally insane for you to fight each other because there's just two of you who can win if you're fighting inside such a small space. So just logic should prevail that you should be doing everything in your power to make each other's lives wonderful. Now, that includes that if your spouse has a bad day, rather than reactively putting them down for having a bad day, you become loving and supportive so that their bad day isn't as bad as it would be if you weren't there to help them through it. If you take the position of your bad day is ruining my good day, then you don't get what it's what is required of you. Now, when you start talking about what's happening inside your marriage to other people, you're opening the doors and windows to your space. You're inviting their opinion in. You're inviting them in. There should be no room for anyone, not even your children, not your parents, not your siblings. Just the two of you are in this sacred space of marriage. Then So you don't feel like so you don't feel like you should be able to vent about your spouse to your friends, to your coworkers, to your parents, to your children. Well, think about Nothing. that, isn't that? When you say vent, you're talking about mm -hmm. complaining about the person that you chose to love, honor, and cherish, right? You promised them when you gave your vows that you would love, honor, and cherish cherish them all the days of your life, right? And then you go and you complain about them to strangers. I would call that disloyalty. And loyalty is the highest law. It's the highest spiritual law in a marriage is loyalty. To complain about your spouse is disgusting. So, so rather than complain about your spouse to somebody else, what should the person do? They should be checking their own mind, their own filters. And, you know, what's that expression in the Bible? Take, take the uh, log out of your eye before you notice the speck in, in your neighbor's eye. Uh, we're not here to judge others. We're especially not here to judge our spouse. We're here to love and support and honor them. Yeah, they have flaws. So do you. 
You could spend the rest of your life going over each other's flaws and make each other miserable because when you're outside of somebody, you have that objective viewpoint of them. You can see their flaws better than they can see their flaws. I don't know my own flaws. I try to look at them. I use dispassionate introspection every single day so I could see my own flaws. But my mind doesn't let me see them. I know my wife can see them. But if she starts telling me what they are, there's nothing I can do about them. I'm not equipped to handle my flaws until I can see them myself. So she doesn't burden me by venting at me what a jerk I am. And I know I'm a jerk. So I would not want, I would not want to think, first of all, I would not want Pam to think that I would say anything about our marriage to anyone. That's else. right. I wouldn't want her to. Think it would that. hurt her and feelings. If ever, and, and, if, and if she ever asked me, do you ever talk about us to anybody else? I wouldn't want to lie about it. And I think I'd have to lie. <laughs> you know, if, if I was, you know, if, if right. I was doing that, if I was, which I don't. Right. Um, but I can't tell you, Paul, how many times I've been in some sort of work situation or social situation or combination of the two where the other person's having issues with their spouse and they start talking about it. Yes, I know. And I'm going, and I go, I'm not the, I I really, I'm not, you really shouldn't be doing that. Right. You just shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Um, But, but I, I think people don't know where else to go there. I don't think they're doing it because they want to they just want to complain about their spouse to somebody else. I think they're trying to figure out how to how to get things back on track. Yep, they're looking for help. Through it. They're looking for help. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking for. I think some people want to vent, um, and they they just feel better about complaining about whatever about their spouse. But there are a lot. I think that most people want to. They're telling somebody because how do I deal with it? Right, and and there really is no. I, you know, there's no training growing up on how to um, how to deal with all those issues that you might be having. Well, you shouldn't be having issues at all. A marriage, uh, uh, think of it this way. Marriage is a vehicle designed to take both of you to happiness and love on a constant basis. It's designed for that. So it's like having a computer, you might say, and if there's issues with your computer, what do you do? You make sure that your computer is running properly, and it's usually the user who is screwing the computer up. And it's the same thing with the marriage. If you know how to work your computer, everything's going to be fine, for the most part. And it's the same with marriage. If you know how to run marriage, everything's going to be fine. But there's no there's no good education out there during our generation. And literally, I think the Marriage Foundation is the only source of good information now. Um, the books that I've written are manuals for how to be married. And the courses are more than manuals. 
They step-by-step bring you out of the hole you guys have dug yourselves into, and they work. And we have, you know, it's been two decades now since we've been using this stuff, and thousands and thousands of people. You should be so happy when you're married. You should be happier than the day you got married, happier than the honeymoon. You should be floating in joy. And I'm not just saying that. That's what it's for. That's what marriage is for. And if you're not floating in joy in your marriage, you're not doing it right. So there. Paul, Paul <laughs> and, I, I, no, and I agree with you. I do agree with you. Um, I, I think you should wrap this up and tell people how they could, you know, get your get into your program, listen to the hundreds of videos that you've done or the books or whatever. So okay. how do they get in contact with you? How do they find out about the uh, about the marriage foundation. Okay, so first of all, thank you, David. Um, David Cruz has co-hosted this, my closest friend for many, many years, and uh, never afraid to challenge me. And David, you ask great questions—the kind of questions that most people ask. And you know, sometimes I forget how much suffering people are experiencing simply because they don't know. And we have been fed so much disinformation. I used to be a divorce mediator. I shifted my practice to helping people. And a colleague of mine, of, of another divorce mediator at Second Saturday, handed me a check for $1,000 and said, Paul, you got to go public with this. Here's 1000 bucks. Let's set up a nonprofit. That was back in 2000 seven or eight or nine, I don't remember when, long time ago. And we've been helping a lot of people. Go- look, look at Paul, I'm doing this with you because I believe that what that your message to people is so powerful and different than anything else they're going to get. Thank you. I've seen where it works. I've seen people that, that are in terrible situations that have gone to your program, whether it's your book or listening to the videos or whatever, and and it has changed them and changed their relationship and made it better for them, not only themselves, but their children, etc. So I think you should tell people here and end this with how they can get, at least get exposed to what you have. Fair enough. So go to themarriagefoundation.org, themarriagefoundation.org. It's .org because we're nonprofit. You could write into our counselors. It's a free service. And you could peruse the website and, and see, but especially look at the programs, at the courses. There's one for men, one for women, and it will change your life. That is guaranteed. In fact, the courses are guaranteed. Yeah. And don't waste time. Don't be screwing around with your marriage. You know, it's like someone came across a, a jet plane. They've never seen one before. They get inside it. They camp out in it. They cook in it. And they could have, if they knew how, they could have flown it to Hawaii, had a great vacation. There we go. <laughs> but, I, I totally agree, Paul. All right. Totally agree. Thank you for spending the time so, today, Paul. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, listeners. Come again and join us, and we really appreciate you more than you'll ever know. God bless and take care. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, listeners. Take care. 